Hey, happy new year, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and this episode is Q&A number 67, so our first episode of 2020. I hope you're off to a really good start of the new year. And as it is a new year, I wanted to take the opportunity to ask you to, if you have any suggestions for topics for the podcast or guests that you want to hear or general feedback, then please send it in to michael at scientifictriathlon.com. And it's Michael with a K. And uh, then I definitely want to hear everything that you uh, that you think could improve the podcast and uh, keep making it better and better. Uh, be the best listener experience for you that that I can make it. In regards to guests, I just want to mention that uh, I get a lot of suggestions for guests and uh, some of them are really great. Some of them are really obvious, the big names of uh, triathlon coaching. And even though you might not hear them, that doesn't mean that I don't uh, value your suggestion. It simply probably means that the guest didn't get back to me. The potential guest didn't get back to me, even though I tried and tried again to get them to get on the show. So there are a few notable examples of uh, of names that come up time and time again that people want to hear, and I try to contact them and get get in touch with them, but I just don't succeed. So bear that in mind that it's uh, it's not that I don't take your consideration into account. It's just that some people simply don't want to be on podcast interviews, I guess. Uh, but that being said, if you are somebody that knows somebody who is uh, one of the really great, uh, great people in the sport, whether they are well known or less well known, but still uh, top class uh, experts, whether they are coaches or researchers or other industry people, introductions to potential guests are always good. But uh, please run it through me first, to because I always do want to go through my due diligence process before accepting anybody as a guest on the podcast so those are just a few house cleaning items that i wanted to mention now that we're at the start of a new year despite the new year i am very pleased that we are working with uh, the same sponsors that we have been working with for a long time now precision hydration and uh, we will actually probably have founder andy blow back for another hydration episode at some point during the winter so uh, if you have specific questions about hydration, electrolytes or cramping or similar, then feel free to send them in to my email address, michael.scientifictriathlon.com. And uh, in preparation for that, maybe you want to go back and listen to episode 49, where Andy first appeared on the podcast. The Cliff Notes version, of course, which is what led to Precision Hydration being founded, it founded is that how much sodium we lose in our sweat varies significantly from person to person and this needs to be accounted for especially in long races or performers will probably suffer as a consequence. Precision Hydration have offered a new discount code which is that triathlon show 15 so that triathlon show 15 and that will give you 15% off their products on precisionhydration.com. The uh, other code that triathlon show all one word, all caps. So the same code as the new one, except the missing the one five at the end. That code lives on, so you can still try your first box or tube of Electrite products for free. And big thanks to Roka that you can find on roka.com. 
I got uh, some family members uh, some Roka products for Christmas. Uh, I did not get them. I paid for them, but using the discount code, obviously. And uh, these products that I chose to give certain family members were a real hit, uh, both of them. So specifically, the things that I went for were the swim mesh bag, uh, the big one. I think it's uh, 35 or 40 liters. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, that one is a super handy, super well-designed uh, mesh bag that you can carry on your back for when you're going to your swim practice and fit all your gear in there. And it has some nice pockets for, for your goggles and things like that. Maybe your, uh, your workout uh, written down on a piece of paper and uh, whatever else you might want to, to carry in, in those pockets away from the, the main uh, gear. Uh, the other thing that I got were very familiar to me because I've been using them a lot, the Roka Sim Shorts, the Buoyancy Shorts, uh, Sim Shorts Pro actually, and they have two versions and uh, those were for my father actually who is uh, starting to learn how to swim and well he knows how to swim now but uh, getting more into swimming, uh, he's now up to doing workouts that are uh, 1500 meters long so that's pretty pretty good, pretty reasonable. And uh, and I suggested that uh, for him it might be good to, because he has sinky legs, and obviously uh, we need to work on that. We're going to do some video analysis with him and stuff like that, offer some technique suggestions that way. But another uh, one thing to do while working on that is a way to get in more volume without getting without getting a compromised stroke is to actually help get your body up. Obviously a pull boy is a good option for that. But uh, the buoyancy shorts are perhaps even better just because they still allow you to work on your kick and your body roll and your getting your hips more involved in your actual stroke. So working the entire core that way. So using them selectively for workouts, and I probably made a mistake in the past of using them too much, but uh, yeah, getting away from that now. But using them selectively can be really good because it allows you to take more quality strokes so get more quality into your workouts because you can get those quality strokes in uh, even though you might be somebody like my dad who has sinky legs still at this point in his young swimming swimming career so uh, roca uh, christmas gifts were a big hit with my family members and uh, yeah they have tons of things wetsuits dry suits swim skins goggles high performance eyewear that you can check out on roca.com and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS20. So today's question is from Frank, who writes, Hello Michael, love the show. As a new listener, I'm bouncing around between old and new episodes. I have some pretty specific training questions. Uh, Take care, and I really appreciate your show, Frank. Uh, I inserted that end here, because then I'll just read the questions here one after another, well, just one at a time and then answer before moving on to the next one. So the first question that Frank writes is, um, what are the benefits and drawbacks of doing back-to-back workouts as opposed to splitting them up? For instance, I have the ability to swim then immediately run in the morning, say 30 to 40 minutes each, or I can swim in the morning then run at lunch, or bike plus run in the morning, Uh, alternatively bike in the morning and then run at lunch or vice versa, and so on. Is one method better than the other? So let's start with the benefits of doing back-to-back workouts. The One of the main benefits, the main benefit, is that you're most likely saving time doing back-to-back workouts. 
and you end up having more time in the evening for yourself and your family well in your case you end up having more time at lunch which might not be as valued so for you perhaps it's not uh, as critical uh, of a benefit but for people that don't have the lunch training option that might be a really big uh, big benefit of doing uh, the workouts back to back in the morning another benefit or potential benefit is that the back to back workout ends up becoming almost like a single longer workout or it may become like that at least if you have a short transition time and those longer workouts are important for aerobic development but there is a counter argument to this and uh, that is that if you for example run right after you swim then you are changing the working muscle groups so while the workout is like almost like a single long workout uh, for your central cardiovascular system and you might be getting those benefits you're probably not getting uh, the same benefits or adaptations to the peripheral and muscular system uh, that you would from a long workout of only swimming or only running so at some point this lack of getting those adaptations to a long workout from peripheral standpoint may become a limiter unless you actually do a long run or a long bike or a long swim whatever it is Another benefit here is that you end up getting longer recovery time until next day's workouts. So you get almost 24 hours to recover. But the counter argument to this, again, is that uh, more microdosing might be more effective for many purposes. And uh, to give you an analogy, just like for most people and for most purposes, it's better to eat three meals per day and maybe even some snacks if you're a triathlete at least. Uh, it's better to do that than to have just one meal per day for most purposes Uh, it might be better to spread things out more evenly and uh, in this case we're obviously uh, so that's what what i mean with with microdosing and uh, the example of doing back-to-back workouts versus training doing one workout at, at morning and one at lunch is obviously less extreme than choosing between three meals per day or one meal per day but it's just to give you a bit of an analogy and uh, illustration of what i mean thereby microdosing may be more effective in certain cases uh, specificity may be a benefit and this goes even if it's a swim run workout which isn't the direct order of a normal triathlon race but it still may give you some specificity of running in a pre-fatigued state but the counter argument here is that the adaptations from this kind of specificity may be mostly mental or more mental than than physiological so that would mean that you might see diminishing returns from it relatively quickly and also depending on what the run workout is running in a pre-fatigued state uh, could prevent you from getting the most out of the run and this goes particularly if you have some intensity in the run so those are the benefits but uh, as you heard those benefits do have some counter arguments so it's not as if it's a complete list of uh, very clear uh, benefits there but uh, there is uh, context is king as as they say then the drawbacks or potential drawbacks here is that as i just said the second workout that you do may be compromised in quality especially if it's an intense workout and on the flip side you may actually end up unconsciously holding back more than you should in the first workout knowing that you have the second workout coming up fueling and nutrition also becomes more challenging when doing back-to-back workouts 
And if you have to work out for a total of 90 minutes or two hours, then obviously uh, you are going to want to uh, to pre-fuel. And this is something we'll get to in a later question. And uh, But also, if your second workout has some intensity to it, then you will want something uh, to fuel with after the first workout to uh, because you will have used quite a bit of energy for the first workout already. Uh, and in, if the first workout was an intense workout, then you will need to get a kickstart on recovery by getting the muscle protein synthesis going with some protein and and also the replenishment of uh, of glycogen so uh, so you will need to think about what to eat before that double workout but also what to eat between the two workouts and uh, intensity makes things even more challenging and also obviously what what you're going to refuel with after the double workout so this might not be very challenging if you're only thinking of doing a 45 minute easy ride and a 45 minute easy uh, easy run off the bike then you could treat that as a single 90 minute low intensity session but let's say you have a swim with some intensity to it and then you have a run with some intensity to it after and especially if the swim is let's say an hour and the run is 50 minutes then these are the situations where fueling and nutrition really uh, demands some planning and uh, the other drawback here, as I again already mentioned, more even dosing generally is better in my opinion. So again, to illustrate through a more extreme example, let's say that you do three workouts each of swimming, biking and running per week. Uh, would you then choose doing two workouts per day over six days? Or would you choose doing three workouts per day over three days and then have four rest days in the, in the week? I think that uh, everybody listening agree that uh, we should pick the first option. And uh, this is obviously a, an extreme example compared to choosing between doing back-to-back -back workouts versus morning plus uh, afternoon or evening or morning plus lunch. Uh, and do, but, but it shows what I think is still a valid, uh, valid argument up to a certain point. You obviously shouldn't split one swim and one run into two swims and two runs on the same day. Uh, although uh, there are situations where you might actually want to split that run into two runs and, and it would make total sense, but that's a bit beyond the scope of this question. So I guess the conclusions here are that the most important thing is that you do the training in the first place. If doing the workouts back-to-back -back is what you can do and what makes sense logistically, then that's a great option. If changing that routine becomes challenging to the point that you lose any consistency with your training, then you're losing out, even though the timing might potentially be better. But if you lost that consistency or you lose some total, you lose the, the number of workouts that you were doing or some volume, then you're probably better off doing what you are already doing. Since, however, you are asking and you have the option to train at lunch, uh, that is what I would recommend if you're asking for a specific recommendation. So splitting it up in most cases, uh, where although there were, may be cases where you, you would consider doing a specific brick workout for specific purposes, in particular getting closer to the race, that might be a good idea to do. And another situation where it might make sense to go for the back-to-back -back double workout in the morning is if the total volume of training that you can get done is bigger by doing that compared to doing it as morning plus lunch. So let's say you have a swim plus run planned. And if doing it in the morning means that you can do a one hour swim followed by a one hour 15 run, but doing it at lunchtime or doing the run at lunchtime allows you to do still the same one hour swim because you might not be swimming much longer than that, uh, have any more than that in your program. 
and uh, but then at lunchtime you only have 45 minutes for the run then you're losing 30 minutes of potential running there so in those situations it may make sense to actually choose the morning option because you're actually not it's not a fair comparison because you're choosing between more training and less training so but that's that's something to consider as well but in that case do of course keep in mind that sleep is still important you can't sacrifice your sleep to to do that and uh, and again the nutrition part that we discussed earlier so plenty of things to consider but i hope that this helps a little and question number two here is if i'm doing eight to nine total workouts per week not including some stretching and strength training does it make sense to do six days of training and one rest day or five days of training and two rest days this one is an easy question easy answer six days of training no doubt I do think that some athletes may benefit from that one full rest day, but certainly not all. So actually, seven days of training could be even better, potentially. The key is that you're not going to train so much or so hard on any given day that it completely wrecks you for the next day. Uh, so rewind a bit and listen to what I just uh, was saying about the microdosing, and that explains the rationale a little bit. But uh, the bottom line is that for the body to go through positive endurance adaptations frequency of training stimulus is probably the most important variable to consider and actually in episode 214 just this monday you might have heard the segment from joel filial talking about just that but uh, essentially again to illustrate a point through a bit of an extreme scenario take two runners and have one of them run for an hour a day every day and have the other run for three and a half hours per day for two days a week. Which one do you think will improve the most? And again, I think we can all agree that the first one would would do that. Uh, so the key, like before, is to train at a level that is sustainable and at a level that your body can handle, because then it really doesn't need any more than the 22 to 23 hours of recovery it gets between workouts. Uh, and of course, the planning of structuring of the week matters. So you're not going to do back-to-back -back intense workouts, especially not within the same, or at least not within the same discipline. And you're going to make sure that if you know that an intense run is something that means that you don't want to do an intense swim or an intense bike the next day, then you're just going to schedule endurance training, easy aerobic training the next day. Those things, of course, you need to take into account. But 22 to 23 hours of recovery in most cases should be enough to get you recovered enough to do at least an endurance session and then by the following day once you've had almost 48 hours 48 hours of recovery that's when you can do another intense session so uh, so yeah the point is that you're not getting your body into a state of of deep fatigue and you might think that well am i really pushing hard enough if that is the case if i can consistently train day in day out and yes, you are, because it is that consistency over time, week in, week out, month in, month out, that becomes the overload that the body is not used to, because so few of us are consistent to that level. But those that are, they are generally pretty handy athletes. So uh, that's, that's the whole point there of why six days per week, splitting it up over six days per week is better than five. And maybe seven could be better, but I'm not saying that it is, and maybe it is. Uh, something in between maybe it's doing one week without a rest day and the next week you take one rest day so doing 14 day cycles instead of seven day cycles 
So uh, you need to figure that out. But uh, definitely, I think that two rest days per week is going to not be the most effective way. But one rest day per week could be the most effective way for you. And uh, but you need to you could experiment with that and see if even fewer rest days might be even more effective. The next question here. Nutrition, solid food for a 7.3. I currently use a slow-release starch-based product called Generation UCAN for most of the fueling I need for any workout or race two to three hours in duration. And I hydrate with water and whatever electrolyte is on the course, although I got my first box of Precision Hydration 1000 this week and will start trying that protocol in training. But I assume that I'll need to supplement the UCAN uh, during the 70.3 with some solid foods. What are your suggestions for how much and how often? I can eat bonk busters on the bike, but they're a bit cumbersome, and I can take in certain uh, goo gels, just not the sweet ones. I would love some suggestions to test over the next five months to prepare for the 70.3. All right, so this is a question that has so many possible answers that the bottom line really is that you need to try what works for you in training, test what works for you in training, and uh, repeat that multiple times to make sure that it works, and then do the same in racing. Personally, I do like to have one energy bar uh, consisting of mostly carbs, but a little bit of fat and protein in there as well. And my brand of choice tends to be science in sport. So so I go for, for one of their bars, energy bars during the same point three. But uh, because you might, you will probably be out for a longer duration. It sounds like uh, than than I am during my racing. It might not be a bad idea for you to actually try to have even two or possibly even three bars. Again, it's very individual. So if you are somebody that gets hunger pangs or hunger sensations, then two or three bars of solid food might be good to stave off that hunger. That being said, your assumption that you have to have solid food isn't necessarily correct. Uh, you might be surprised by how common it is to successfully do long-distance races on only liquid energy. And in this context, I would count gels as liquid. And this is not just uh, super fast pros but or fast age groupers, but uh, your everyday age groupers as well. So you could definitely try that option too of only using liquid energy on some long training days and see how that works for you. And if you go for solid foods, regardless of what bars or solid foods you use, I don't think that them being cumbersome, cumbersome to carry really is an issue unless you're trying to carry a, you know, a pizza or something. Uh, the issue probably is that you haven't set up your bike and equipment to handle uh, you carrying whatever it is you want to carry. And you should most definitely get some sort of top tube bag to allow you to, to carry something there whether it's food or gels or electrolyte tablets or whatever it is. What you can also do, and this becomes more and more relevant and in some cases necessary for Ironman racing compared to 7.3 races, but when you need to carry a lot of energy, then you might end up in a situation where you might tape some things to your bike. And of course, when you do that, try to minimize negative aerodynamic effects. But if it's a question between getting in adequate energy and losing a little bit of aerodynamics, then energy wins wins hands down. And one thing that you could also try as you test out your strategy is to see what happens if you if your liquid energy, uh, if you replace your UCAN as your liquid energy with uh, a more standard sports drink like Science in Sports Isotonic Sports Drink and or gels, 
And the reason I'm suggesting this is that even though you can promote a slower release of blood glucose and lower insulin spikes, and this has been seen in studies actually, so this is a validated fact, but what has not been shown in any single study that I'm aware of, and I looked for this, is uh, no study has managed to show that this leads to any improvements in performance whatsoever. And they've tested longer durations, so durations up to three hours, I think. So it might be worth trying to use something with a faster release and absorption and uh, just to compare to see how you feel and perform with that. And uh, in my case, it's uh, usually, again, the science sport sports drink that I use if I use sports drink or the science sports gels if I use gels. And uh, But there is a reason, I think, that when we're seeing things like the two-hour marathon being broken, uh, it's things like uh, like the Martin and, uh, or Beta Fuel or, or products like that that are becoming the new things that the pros are using, also for Ironman. Uh, and it's not UCAN that you see the pros really using. Lastly, remember to log your workout nutrition and keep a running document of what works for you and what does not work for you. With five months, you have plenty of time, of course, but there is also a lot of potential testing you could do to really find your optimal strategy. So don't put off actually logging that and making use of all relevant workouts as nutrition trial sessions. And the final question here is, I do a lot of my training first thing in the morning. Typically, I wake up, drink water, a small amount of cold brew coffee, and head out to work out about 45 minutes to one hour after waking. If the workout is less than 90 minutes, I don't fuel at all. Does this sound reasonable or should I be taking in some kind of energy no matter the length of the workout? So my opinion here is that for low intensity, and with that I mean zone 1 and zone 2 in a 5 zone system, for low intensity workouts less than 90 minutes in length, it's uh, okay to do what you're doing as long as you feel sharp enough and energized enough. So a good way to test this is that you should be able to do things like uh, strides and hill sprints in a zone 2 run and you should feel that your body is doing what you're asking it to do and you can ac access its highest gear when you're asking it to do those uh, those efforts for workouts with intensity especially zone 4 and zone 5 workouts i would recommend to always fuel before them and even for some listeners that uh, might be on the bike or out the door 10 minutes after waking up rather than an hour uh, they, they still need to do that or i still recommend doing that so have a prepared pre-prepared bottle of sports drink ready uh, in the fridge from overnight and start sipping that as soon as you get up all the way into and through your workout and more intense workouts they do demand a higher energy turnover and that's the signal to to cause the adaptation essentially so if your body can't supply that high energy turnover, then you're missing the point with the workout. So these workouts, high intensity workouts, should always be with adequate carbohydrate availability. To give you an example of what I would do for example for a 90 minute high intensity ride in the morning, I would get up, have water and coffee to drink, and I would have a banana and a piece of bread with some cottage cheese on so i would want to get in some protein but mostly the focus is on carbs uh, so uh, it's not a whole amount of like a big amount of food but uh, but it's something and it's a focus on carbs so getting getting a, a fair amount of carbs in still and then i would fuel during the ride with uh, with sports drinks and and with sport drink and electrolytes 
and afterwards I would have a more a more substantial breakfast with carbs and a more significant amount of protein. And on this topic, I actually just finished reading Shannon Grady's book, The Lactate Revolution. Uh, Shannon, of course, is a past guest of the show, and I'll link to her episode in the in the show notes. It's a very interesting book and definitely worth checking out for those of you interested in physiology. Uh, her philosophy is that you should never ever do fasted workouts. I would uh, personally not go that far. Uh, we will have a, a counter argument to that with David Bishop. B- sorry, David Bishop in an upcoming episode, and he will be talking uh, a bit more about the really powerful signaling we can get from fasted training. But I do think that a lot of the time athletes get less bang for the training back than back than they should, because they are underfueled and in low low carbohydrate availability going into the workout, or maybe not even low, but not high enough. So knowing when to fuel well and when you can do a workout with less carbohydrate on board is really the key here. So uh, that's the last question from Frank. I hope that that helps you. Uh, I'll link in the episode description, as I said, to Shannon Grady and to Joel Filial. I also mentioned his episode. And if there's any other resources that I mentioned, I'll link to them as well. Actually, an, a, a good article with the Summary of the research on the UCAN Superstarch from Runners Connects, John Davies, who writes really good good posts where he reviews the evidence on specific topics. So some interesting links for you to check out there. Keep sending in questions for future Q&As to michael at scientifictriathlon.com, and that's Michael with a K. Also, as a general update, I have talked about at least one of these before, but I actually have two roles to fill at Scientific Triathlon. And I already have many applications for both. So be quick to contact me if any of this interests you, as these positions probably won't be available for much longer. But the first one is, as I've mentioned before, we are going to revamp the website in early 2020 and we need some professional help to do so. So if you are a web de- web developer working with uh, WordPress websites, which is uh, what uh, I use and want to keep using, and feel like this could be a, an interesting project for you, please contact me. And the second one is uh, a role as uh, the editor for the podcast show notes for Monday episodes where we always produce show notes. So we need somebody to take over that role of turning the Monday podcast episodes into well-written, well-structured, text-based contents, also known as show notes. I want to take this opportunity to thank Samantha, who has been uh, doing that job for more than two years, and she has been doing a fantastic job of that. Uh, She is uh, now moving on to focus on her doctorate in uh, psychology, and uh, I want to really thank you, Sam, a million for the fantastic work, and uh, wish you best of luck with the final push of uh, completing that, uh, that doctorate. So if you are interested in taking over that role, Again, just get in touch with me and I'll send some more information. We can discuss whether you might be a good fit. That's it for this episode. A big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and take their free online sweat test and get a free hydration plan. You can use the results of that uh, test to find out what strength of electrolytes is the most appropriate for you based on your individual sodium losses when exercising. The promo code that triathlon show one five that triathlon show fifteen that triathlon show in all one word all caps will get you fifteen percent off your entire order, and you can also try one box or tube uh, of electrolyte products for free with the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps. 
And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, including both uh, eyewear for sports and prescription glasses. You can get 20% off your order with the promo code TTS20. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.